Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the World of Wellness Podcast. I'm your grateful host, Megan Wren, so happy to be here as always. Today we have a special guest, Joshua Gillis, on the podcast, and Joshua has been working as a therapist for over 36 years. He's lived in Europe for the last 34 years, and he is in the field of neurosensory motor. So what that means is getting the brain connection to the sensory, to the output. So this podcast is very interesting. It's very deep, but you should be able to follow along quite well. But we talk a lot about the nervous system and how our bodies develop and how how we are at birth and how we're as kids and how we are in the womb, how that all correlates to our health and the way that our brain and bodies function. So this is a very fun, interesting, informative podcast. So please enjoy. All right, Joshua, thanks so much for coming on the podcast this morning. Would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Hi, my name is uh, Joshua Gillis. I'm uh, originally from Maine and uh, have spent the last uh, 34 years in Europe, 18 in Sweden, 16 in Italy, um, uh, two boys, and uh, now I'm traveling around the United States uh, right here in Truckee for the time being. Truckee, California, loving it. I'm a climber, skier, so I'm right here at home and uh, sharing, traveling around the United States, uh, sharing the, this new knowledge of how we can sort of hack our uh, nervous system, our instinctual ability to use our bodies and uh, have that do a lot of very interesting things for um, our emotional, uh, psychological, physical, and even cognitive well-being. Cool. I have so many questions, but I first want to know, so why is you're traveling right now, um, where and who are you speaking to? Well, from past experience, uh, writing in advance um, usually doesn't work very well because they've never heard of anything like this before. And in any case, people are so busy and there's so much going on. It's just like it ends up, yeah, I'll do that later. So I actually do cold calls. So I'm literally going around. I'm just go. I just go to a place and just uh, basically run in and and you know just shock them. <laughs> so if there is anybody out there who would like to uh, hook up beforehand, let me know. That would be fun. Yeah. So are you going into like physical therapy type offices or um, gyms? What kind of who are who are you going after to talk to? That, that, that's a great question, because basically um, what's really interesting about this neurosensory motor programming or our, you know, basic neuroprogramming that runs our, our uh, posture and our ability to move our bodies or to react to the world around us um, can be used. Uh, and we have already used it for world-class athletes. So either performance enhancing or recovery from injuries. Um, it originally comes from children who have neurological disabilities. So even working with, you know, going into those kinds of, you know, like sort of rehabilitation or, you know, these kinds of centers that deal with these heavy kind of issues. I'm talking to school teachers. I'm talking to physical therapists because in the class, if you do these exercises, the kids get emotionally and, um, you know, even sort of just calming their whole bodies down to get their, get them being present and really absorbing all the good information. Works with bullies, works with the victims. So we get the bullies to calm down. We get the victims sort of to feel a little more empowered just in a natural way. Um, I do go to like, I'm a climber. So I'll go to different gyms and say, hey, you want a half an hour talk on uh, some neuropostural stuff and uh, the neuro warm up and how you can use that for performance enhancing you know, reduce injury and all that stuff. So the may, it's really amazing how this is kind of like the, the you know, the, spy, the spider web of, of all of what we are. And it's, you know, really in the, the, the architecture of, 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 of a lot of, you know, what we are. So, so we can apply it in so many ways. So, and that's, that's like the beautiful thing as a therapist, I, I had, you know, I don't do treatments. I don't have my center anymore, but, um, I was working with children. I was working with, you know, 80, 90 year old people with uh, ar terrible arthritis and getting them through that um, bad postures and all this chronic pain. 
working with you know um, the truck drivers and uh, so so it's it's re- it's just beautiful to be able to touch so many people and in so many different ways using the same perspective. So let's kind of give the audience a little bit more of an understanding on what specifically we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you take you take the reins. So um, basically, I've been a therapist, um, natural therapist, since '89. Uh, I graduated from Mexico School of Natural Therapeutics. Before that, I studied three years at the University of Farmington and University of Connecticut for pre-med. I was planning on becoming a, a chiropractor. Um, and then some things happened in the family. And, um, and but I was, a, I was actually first uh, climbing, I was climbing ski, uh, skiing. I was skiing, I was one of, you know, the top 1% in the United States, but you gotta be the top 1% of 1% if you're gonna get anywhere. So I uh, became a coach. And the first two years, I got uh, my six guys to be um, and girls to be up on the national podium uh, 10 times. So that was pretty inspiring as a 20, 21-year-old to have your kids performing that well that quickly. Yeah. Um, so uh, I understood that I, under- I understood coaching, but I wanted to give them more than just coaching. I wanted to give them also uh, something about, you know, um, from training perspective. And, and also, when you're, when you're doing a sport, you get injured a lot. So that was my desire to continue study, studying was to find, you know, a way to be able to help my athletes uh, recover from injuries, but also to train, you know, better and, and, uh, and perform better. It took me 30 years. And the really big, the really big um, uh, sort of catalyst to my finding that was my five-year-old son who couldn't add at five years old. He looked at his fingers with two and two and was completely mystified. He could not figure out what to do with those two fingers on each hand. He couldn't for the life of him. Um, so I, I found out about um, Brain Gym with uh, Dennison, and we did some exercises, and, and there was a noticeable um, sort of difference, but it was nothing really that great. There wasn't like getting the results I wanted to. And then I, I, I had, since I'd lived in, I was living in Italy at the time, and I knew that in Sweden, they were doing something with touch and movement for behavior and, um, and uh, learning. So I got in touch with my friends and uh, found out the place. And it was a, it's a Russian method called uh, the, the, Maz, the um, Mazgutova method. And uh, so luckily they had um, uh, March, April, May, one week each month for you know their basic um the, the courses for learning and behavior so signed up right away gave my son after that i gave him five treatments and he actually wasn't looking into the mist anymore when he looked at his two fingers and so that set me off you know when you can when you see something like that with your son where literally he i would tell him use your nose and he would remember one time and then two days later i'd ask him again and he'd, he'd just be there again so, and he was, it wasn't like he was stupid or anything or had any kind of, you know, there was, I mean, he was a very smart kid. So it was interesting for me as a parent to, to watch my child meet such an incredible block where it was literally like there was truly a switch that wasn't switched on for him. <laughs> and so then doing five treatments and seeing that switch flipped on and I was like, wait a second, this is ridiculous. And I happened to be uh, studying at the same time as a Finnish guy. And while we were doing it, we were studying with, with mothers and fathers. And there were only a couple other. Th- like, so it was basically the only people really interested in this completely unknown neurosensory motor integration work. Um, and we'll talk about that in a second. There are three main schools. Um, were, were basically the parents because it was hard. Like, nobody knew about this. Stuff. Yeah. And still nobody knows about it. And basically, um, um, you know, the, they never really explained it to. Them. It was just simply do these exercises, and you know, they're they're basically what they call childhood reflexes. So, you know, when children are born, we watch them roll over, we they pick their heads up, you know, they start to crawl, and then there's all these different reflexes, Perez, Galan, uh, Landa. There's all these different reflexes that. Um, Come, that start to sort of play out in order to form 
um, the basic structure for us being able to walk. That's the big goal, right? And so um, I re arrived at a point where um, we were working already, me and Tom, Stefan, the, the Finnish guy, we were working with world-class athletes, um, world champions injured that could find no um, help um, at all for their injuries. And we're basically looking at retirement. Uh, one was a boxer, um, Robert Hellenius, uh, second in the world for heavy heavyweight uh, WBO boxing. In 2012, he, he busted a tendon in his, in his left hand and he couldn't box anymore. And in 20 minutes of doing basically one of our movements, he was back, you know, feeling like he could, he could, he could really start getting better. All the inflammation was gone, pain was gone. And then after three months, he actually started. And then the other was, uh, you know, who was really like a, a world-class champion was um, uh, Peter Forsberg Foppa from the uh, Colorado Avalanche who couldn't get his foot inside his skate. And after um, 14 treatments, he was complaining that he couldn't do the inside cut with that foot the way he was doing with his left. And after three months, he had a million dollar contract with uh, them again. So we, we've had, you know, we saw we were getting great results, even with that, you know, sort of um, with with what I learned in the in the beginning. But um, it came to a point where I was a rat with like serious neurologically, like there was it was actually a, a child with cerebral palsy who um, I didn't think was responding after 10 treatments the way I wanted him to. And so I had already been this was after three years of doing this full time. I dropped I forgot I left all the shiatsu polarity therapy, craniosacral, um, you know, just deep tissue massage. I basically abandoned everything and dedicated myself to trying to, after I saw what it did to my child, right? So I really wanted to see what this would do. And so um, there, was this there was this boy, 12, 11 years old, who had cerebral palsy and, um, and was, I didn't think was really responding. And so I started to go into, like, because I wanted to know what your origin was. Yeah. It was frustrating to not understand how all of these different reflexes interacted with each other. They had these convoluted and very complicated charts, but it wasn't, it seemed to me that nature wouldn't be that complicated. And that nature would have to be much clearer, much more straightforward than all of this kind of like tricky connection stuff. And so I didn't really understand it, but I knew there had to be a simpler, more straightforward way. And um, strange enough, um, as, as things usually happen, it's kind of like when you're half, you know, sleeping, half awake, whatever. I was like, well, where does it even, where does the first neuron even come from? And so then I started researching that. And then when I understood that it was the, the, the path of the, of the nervous system is from the jellyfish to the worm. And then from the worm, it goes directly to um, the fish, the vertebrates for us, right? The verte so the fish, and then obviously the reptiles and the mammals and then us. And so it just seemed like, well, how does, how does it go from the worm to the fish? What's, what's all that about? And then, it was, and then again, you sort of half dreaming, half awake, concentrating on doing a treatment, whatever. All of a sudden this, you get this flash. It's like, wait a second. If you understand the development of the worm, the worm is a network of, of nerves. So it's a single nerve connected to a single nerve connected to a single nerve, right? And then, and then after, I don't know how many millions of years, it developed a nerve going from its stomach that divided and created two light sensors. And then after another 20 million years, it created a heart on that nerve. And I was like, oh my God, but that's the vagus nerve. And so that means that the worm developed a brain in on that vagus nerve because that's how it like the eyes don't leave it just goes straight into the brain right so it doesn't actually leave so the, it created a in order to be able to handle all of this new um equipment right this the sensory system this updated as it was evolving um so that would be like an eel or something like that it would be like you know the true and so the worm never disappeared right? It just developed an exoskeleton around itself. And this brain is actually the second brain in evolution. And so I was like, hmm, okay. So What's let's the see. What's the first brain? 
Well, the stomach intestine, okay, the yeah. gastroenteric nervous system. Yeah, exactly. And so, and so with this child, I said, I said, asked his mother who happened to be an MD. I said, do you mind if I do some of my own stuff? And she's like, no, no, go ahead. So basically from what I was perceiving, because I was connecting kinesiology into this, where organs are connected to muscles that are connected to emotion, right? And so um, I just applied some gentle pressure to his intestine. And what was interesting is that his reaction was to tighten up even more in his position. And so I held it and I held it and I held it. And then after, you know, 15, 20 seconds, he relaxed, but he relaxed more than he was before. And so each time I went a little deeper and his arms relaxed, relaxed a little more each time. Hmm. And um, I ended up doing a study with this, with uh, BTS engineering, because they're from uh, Milano, just outside of Milan. Um, then they make a bunch of different um, sort of ways of studying the human. They have this EMG uh, system for that's very superficial, functional, really easy. So we did it with my son and then with this child. We did a study, you know, and uh, we were seeing 1,500 times relaxation, percentage relaxation in this child's muscles. Um, and my son was getting, was getting tone. He was, he was actually increasing the tone in his muscle. He wasn't relaxing. After the treatment, he was actually more toned in some and more relaxed than others. Whereas this boy was already so tight, he was just, you know, we were getting 1,500, 2,000. We were getting thousands of percentages more relaxation than what we started with from, uh, from the treatment. And after eight months, once a week of treatment, this boy was crawling. And he couldn't, he couldn't even roll over before. He couldn't even, like, there was, he couldn't do anything. And then, unfortunately, the parents pulled him out because the physical therapy place that he was, he was going to basically forced them to make a decision. I guess I don't know what that what the whole thing was about, but so um, that's kind of like in a real nutshell what um, what happened to me in the very beginning, and then I understood that it was it was about the brain. So evolution. So our if you look at the evolution of the embryo, there is still that evolution from I'm not going to say a worm, but at least for sure the uh, fish to the reptile, to the mammal, and then forming a human around for three, four months, looking very humanoid. And that, but, it, but before that, you can really see. And what's interesting is if you, if you look at embryology and all the studies done on it, there's very clear connections to the excited. So how much that embryo in the first five, six, seven, eight weeks is, is moving and how the child is, behaves when, they, when they're born. So the more the embryo moves, the quieter, calmer the child is when they're born. And so I created my system based on the hierarchical movements of the different uh, evolutionary stages for the for vertebrates. And we've had some really amazing results. So does that mean some of the movements that you do mimic how we are in, in embryo form? So, um, well, and what the, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> it's a little, it's, it's, it's um, more mimicking act, the actual animal than, than the, the embryo, but, but absolutely, because if you look at it, you know, when you're in the reptilian phase of the embryonic development, there's no question that those are the movements that, that the embryo is doing. It's very interesting. <laughs> so, so then is some of these neurological conditions that anybody may have may because that they weren't properly developing when they were in an embryonic stage? This is exactly what I'm finding, Megan. This is, you know, it's really in a sense that simple. And what I'm finding is that like um, the the what what I call the amphibian, it's it's just a nicer name than fish. Fish is just terrible name to to like market, I guess in a sense. So level one or the fish, you know, it's called I call it the the amphibian level, but it's it's about fish movements. That's seventy percent of 
of all of our back problems, neck problems, um, depression, anxiety, all of these things. Because what I, what I found was that um, behavior is very much needing our body to behave right? it needs there needs to be there, there so there's a like when somebody's sad we read it in the posture when somebody's angry you see it in their body so really all i've done is identify the elephant on the table it's something we instinctually do and have always done um but i'm, I, I'm just putting a name to it yeah so so interesting <laughs> i know it's hard it's it see and so megan i'm telling you it was hard for me in the beginning be, to really put my head around it as well because i was like i came from you know sports <laughs> massage to shiatsu to craniosacral polarity therapy touch for health you know, I was, I spent, you know, a week meditating with the Dalai Lama. Uh, I've traveled all over the world, literally looking for, you know, remedies, uh, you know, herbal remedies down in uh, the, the Yucatan, you know, in Chetumal. I've been, so this was like, in a sense, way too materialistic, right? It was way too kind of, um, uh, non-spiritual for it to be or non-energetic for it to really sort of make any sense with sort of this kind of understanding that I had come to appreciate greatly about um, you know the Asian kind of approach to healing and health and well-being and stuff and um, but I couldn't deny the reality of what it did for my son because there was nothing in any thing that I had studied before that spoke about cognitive problems, you know, learning or, or really even behavioral problems. Do this and for anger, do this for depression, do this for self-doubt, do this for sadness. It was so clear. Um, and especially once you get into like, you know, creativity or mathematics or, um, bullying what's bullying all about you know what and when you understand after so, so basically i would give these you know because i was getting results and i was working in schools and, and i didn't really understand why the results were coming i was just doing the integrations right i was doing the movements and then i realized well fish they don't really have boundaries do they physical boundaries oh, they're yeah. in a group and they see any little movement and they're gonna run so it's like it's like um they just have there's like they have you know no nothing between them and the outer world and um so when i started identifying that and i started treating specifically with the sort of hierarchical movements of the of the fish these bullies were learning boundaries all of a sudden it was like you were saying that if we miss something in that evolution, it comes as a package. There's a behavioral aspect, there's an organ aspect, as well as um, uh, physical, you know, physical postural aspect. And the physical postural aspect we've always known, right? We've always seen that. You can see it because sadness and anger and, you know, you, we see that. Um, curiosity. You know, why, why is this curiosity? Why is it that I grab my chin right? <laughs> when I'm curious and I look a little bit that around the world, it's genetic. It's in our genes to do yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. So we, we think, you know, so many times we think that behavior is um, unique to the individual, but it's not. Um, it's really something. And, and, and that leads me to, kind of a lot of why I'm reaching out to people like yourself and that that was shocking to me was that I was going into this physical world right this this um 
neurological understanding of, of who and what the human body is. And I started seeing that pe the lessons in a sense that people were coming to this world maybe to learn were also being manifested in their genetics and in their choice of family members and, and mm -hmm. what their life lessons and what they need to approach, what they need to work through, right? And so by approaching it from this movement-based uh, side, I was able to identify the reason why children, even in the same family, were perceiving or working through the family paradigm very differently than each other, right? It wasn't just simply that you were the first, second, third, fourth kid in the family. There was more to it. And now all of a sudden it became very, I had, I had a category that I could go to and say, oh, look, okay, this is, okay, you have self-doubt. Okay, that's stomach. Okay, stomach is all neck muscles and stuff like, okay, great. Let's do these movements and we'll integrate the amphibian system or the fish system. And bada boom, bada bang, bada cha they change right away. No thought, no understanding. And so what I understood was, is that because they didn't have that ability instinctually developed within them as an embryo, they couldn't access it as an adult. And so their stress was stuck there because it wasn't flowing. There was no flow there. It would just get stuck because they hadn't developed that ability. And when we understand that this brain was developed by the stomach, by the intellect, by the worm, right? In order to handle sensory input, that sensory input, depending upon what it is, visual, touch, whatever, tastes, is analyzed. And then it's, they, it's should, the brain should, the programming should create a coherent motor response. So it could be screaming, could be laughing, could be giggling, could be crying, could be uh, hugging, could be punching, could be getting ready to protect yourself. Um, you know, it could be walking, you know, just, and so depending upon where our nervous system hadn't developed was where I was seeing the stress and their true life, life struggle. Cause I was working with all ages. Right. So I could, you know, see little children and help them in a flash and then see, you know, have, have my 70, 80, 90 year old people coming in and having me tell their life stories. Right. So I could, I could literally have watched the development of that little child into a, like, you know, old age um, with the same problems, same insecurities, same life story when they were in school and everything, and then help them relieve that as well. It was, it was, it, it, it's really um, quite beautiful actually to be able to have had this opportunity um, to see you know the, these stories and and to be able to release them from this stress um, by some relatively simple um, treatments and and movements. Do you find that um, does does the woman's ease or difficulty of pregnancy factor into any of this at all, Megan? You just opened up <laughs> a big can of worms here. Okay. <laughs> I say that because I say that because it's probably one of the most important discoveries that I've, I've, I've made is the difference between men and women on a, the sexuality, mm -hmm. as far as you know, our sexuality goes. And um, if we look at, if we, if, if we just take the simpleness of, 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 of if I may speak yeah. bluntly. And, so of course. So the, the, males, the male's delivery system and orgasm <laughs> hasn't developed a lot over the years, okay? As compared to even fish, right? Um, women, in a sense, ejaculated as men did when we were fish, 
right? And then all of a sudden, at the reptile stage, the females started having eggs. So the female reproductive system changed and the males represent changed too, it, but it was, we created a tunnel, right? Um, the, the, we have penises now, which we didn't have when we were fish. And that's, that's where the men's the reproductive system stops developing. But the women, you guys go into now another big phase in the mammals and then another stage as humans. So the women have a far more sort of delicate system because the men, we're, ours is based on some of the most primitive phases of, of our evolution as mammals or as, yeah. Are we mammals or are we something different? Are we 2.0 mammals or are we humans? One point, I don't know. But um, in any case, um, the women have developed so much. And if we look at, so if we look at, and this is where it gets really, really interesting because what I've discovered is that behavior is connected to the same phase of evolution that we see it develop in, in, in the animals. So fish curious, uh, lacking any boundaries, extremely anxious, um, like a shark, right? If you give him a good punch on his nose, they're not, he's not coming back for a while. So obviously you have the great whites and they're very aggressive and all that. But the fact is, is that if you give them one good punch, it's enough to scare them away for a while. You do that to a bear, it's not going to be the same reaction. A bear is coming after you. Yeah. A mama bear or even a puppet, they're not, they're, you know, so um, there's a huge difference in the way um, fish behave than reptiles. Reptile comes courage. So curiosity in the fish, courage in the reptiles. This is mine. That's yours. This is my territory. Okay. And then in, the, in mammals, we have love, caring, protective, you know, working as a group belonging oxytocin and so each of those phases is connected with the development for the female and so what what we've noticed is that women who have who have a particularly terrible pms phases usually are quite blocked in their posture. And so like we've had- Poor posture? So again, we're opening up another can of worms because, because what is a good posture, right? I've, I receive all kinds of written, um, you know, <laughs> a, a, um, from the radiologist, right? Saying, oh, this, 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 this about the posture and the spine and everything looks good. And then I look at it and they've got a little bit of scoliosis. Their lumbar curve is pretty straight or the cervical curve is pretty. So what is a good proper posture, right? And so a proper posture should have, should be like, so it sounds a little bit strange, but, and I don't want, I definitely don't want to categorize here, but sort of like um, the, the, the Africans have particularly awesome posture and so we've got the, the, excuse me if I say this, but they get the big butts coming out and they've have, they have a nice lumbar curve that comes up and then they have a thoracic curve and then they have a nice cervical curve. And why do they have that so many? Because the mothers put them on their backs and they have their legs open from when the mothers are carrying them in their cloth. And I've spoke, because I lived in Italy for so long, I spoke to many African women arriving directly from like true Africans, not just, you know, colored women, black colored, but true Africans. And I, because I thought they were going to say it's their culture. I thought they were going to say it was just what they've always done. 
And I was shocked. I spoke to them. And the first thing they said, oh, it's good for their hips and good for their back. And I was like, what? You mean they carrying their kids? <laughs> they carry their kids on their back for their posture. Because it opens their hips up. And that, like, you know, when kids have um, weak hips when they're born, right? They put them just like that. The same position. Yeah. <laughs> they open their legs like that. And that's what the African women were telling me was the reason. So they had a, like the most incredible like medical or I don't know what you want to call it, but therapeutic response to why they were carrying their children on their back like that. Hmm. And a lot of cultures have this hip movement in the way they dance. Okay. And that is extremely therapeutic for women. And so this lumbar curve with, and, and so if you, if all they have to do now is download my app, do Neurofunk, it's called Neuro, Neurofunk with a C, Neurofunctional, and just go through the, just go through the levels, spend a month on each level, take your time. And in three months, they won't believe how much better they feel. And I'm talking women who doesn't matter what kind of, you know, um, medicine that the the gynecologist is is prescribing have terrible you know um just paralyzing headaches um the, you know they have to just close all the windows and and they are in bed three three to four days a, a week uh, a month due to their their cycle and even these women will will feel a huge difference in just three months by doing these exercises so, so, so obviously that translates also to childbirth because, um, so again, we'll go back to this evolutionary thing where oxytocin, right, is found in first really, um, developing in, in, in mammals and oxytocin is what's responsible for the tendon and the ligament relaxation for women hmm. and also creates this. And, and for, so if any athletes are listening, they have to listen to this because um, it creates muscle tone. So this is the, this is why we twitch when we're going to sleep and we're relaxing because the oxytocin is being, we're relaxing. It's, it's starting to, to um, be produced and get in the bloodstream. And what it does is, is it excites the nerves so that any extra neurotension that might be there is released. And, it's, and, and at the same time, it's relaxing the tendons and the ligaments. Hmm. And so, and that's, that for women is, especially at childbirth, is incredibly important to have as much oxytocin produced as possible to make it the easiest childbirth possible, to relax all the different tendons, obviously, uh, in the hips that's possible, give the muscle the most tonic ability as possible so that they will more have the easiest birth possible. And, and all of that is very simple to do through the training. Training, and when you do it, I'll say this, really important keep breathing while you're doing the training just keep breathing all the movements never hold your breath always keep breathing and so and that's also important in childbirth obviously keep to have that <sighs> breathing even when you're pushing keep breathing keep breathing yeah um i two questions here and they kind of go together my first question is how to stress well i guess this is just a question but this sounds a lot like regulating the nervous system and how much does stress play a role into all of that? So Megan, you're, you're really nailing each one of the questions today. Good job. <laughs> because, because I say that because, because stress is, um, um, so again, what kind of stress are we talking about? Are we talking about organ stress? Are we talking about psychological stress? Emotional? Well, 
I'm gonna probably stress. say yeah. Okay, keep going. Well, yeah, but that, that that all sounds like that's gonna come from a place of would would the would most people I would say probably have some kind of life or like work stress, right? Like typical. Let's just say like I work a nine to five. I have a lot of stress in my life. Would yep. that would one would that would affect the stress on the organs? Yep. Right? Um. Yep. Yeah, but that that's the kind of stress I'm thinking about. But keep going. Sorry. No, no. So, but but see, what 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 what's interesting is that a lot of time we don't we don't actually Ask in our language stress. in our language we don't have a way of of really identifying well what it is we're actually talking about. Yeah. And it's so so important to identify things because then it makes it easier to work through things if you really understand. So at work. Is it the amount of work or is it the people that you're dealing with, <laughs> right? Is it, because that's also a really big problem is that relationship stress at work, right? Um, so, so it's good if we understand, you know, um, and we can identify a little bit these different, these different uh, aspects of, 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 of stress. And, and so it doesn't really matter. What is the interesting thing is that it's always going to find my weak spot. Mm. The, where I'm strong, it's going to just run off my back like nothing. Where my nerve, my, my programming isn't strong, it's gonna, it doesn't have a clear loop, a good way to work it out. Because the loop is sensory input, motor output, right? And so... In order, in order for that loop to work, we need a couple of things to be happening properly. We need to have the proper sensory input. Okay, so perception. Am I, am I reading the facial expressions or the postural expressions or the tone of voice of my colleague properly? Maybe, in a sense, I have some old prejudices that are blocking me from being able to read a person um, in, in a, in a non-emotional way, in a non-triggering way for myself. That, that if I talk with somebody else and say, oh my God, I have such a hard time with the way this person said, and they're like, what are you talking about? They're fine. It's like, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it happens all the time. So what is it? So th these are in a sense are, truly our greatest teachers why because they point out to us our greatest weaknesses and with this neurosensory motor programming system this postural dynamic movement system gives me now um i don't know how to say this but like kind of like a non non classical non-judgmental classically judgmental way so i'm not the bad person because i can't deal with this i just have a movement i just have a neurosensory motor programming i have to update it i have to get it working and then i can go and and we'll and all of a sudden i mean if you haven't tried it it's hard to believe it but it's it's truly things become just all of a sudden the person doesn't trigger me anymore why is that i haven't done anything other than a little bit of silly movements on my floor with a little bit of breathing and uh all of a sudden now i'm not getting triggered what's or not getting triggered as easily what's that about um well i'm also curious as the the psychological component of just doing the movements is that going to help somebody i mean sure there's the what's happening with the nervous system in the brain but i'm curious of like how much of that is like okay cool if i do this then i'm not going to be triggered anymore you know what i mean yeah it's uh it's really a, a very fascinating and very uh in a sense also triggering approach because it goes in the face of everything everything we've thought about so this the whole this whole stuff comes from the 60s and 70s okay where psychiatry took a big turn 
So all of this comes from that, that period of Pavlov, right? Sensory input, ding, 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 and a, a physical, biological expression. Yeah. And then that opened up a whole new um, aspect of this neuro, neuroscience in the sense that um, all of a sudden they're like, wait a second now. It's true, our brain is in a black, dark black box, completely disconnected um, to the world around us and absolutely depends on our sensory, it's, it's sensory input yeah. in order to perceive it. And then it needs to also have connection to the body in order to respond in. And so they started playing with the nervous, like touch, so sensory input, right? So the Babinski reflex under the foot when children are born, they, they go under the foot from the heel along the edge of the foot up and they want to see the toes go back. They want to go under the toes and see the toes close. The same thing for the hand, they'll test the grip reflex. They'll test the suckling reflex, just like all dogs have. If you have a dog and you touch them, they're going to open their mouth and try and, and, and do this, right? It's just a reflex. And so babies, obviously, we want them to do that as well. And so they'll test a bunch of these um, postural and, and what they call dynamic reflexes in order to, to um, see if there might be any brain damage. Hmm. So it's actually a way for them to test to see if the brain, it's, it's a healthy brain, that there's any neurological problems. So for some reason, that's where it stopped for 99% of all of everything that developed after that. It, it just stops there for some reason. And we don't, we, but there were three groups that developed, kept developing this. One is Doman, Glenn Doman in, uh, I believe he's from Los Angeles, but the Doman method. There's the Mazgatova method. She's from Russia. And then there's um, the, um, the Blythe Goddard, team from England, husband-wife team from England. Those are the three big schools from the 70s <clears throat> that took that information. And instead of working from the top down, cognitive, behavioral, mm, compensative kind of um, uh, psych psycho psychological approach, they were going from the bottom up, moving the body in order to access better emotional, psychological, uh, cognitive well-being. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know. So, so it's kind of just the opposite side of the same coin. Yeah. And so, and, and, and I can only say, because, because I'm a coach um, and I've been coaching skiing, climbing, you know, I played hockey from Maine. So I've been coaching some at, at a really high level and when you tell an per you know tell an athlete keep your hands up or do this or do that it's so clear that there is some kind of a disconnect there where they understand what they need to do they're asking their body to do it but it's not happening hmm. um and and the best way to do that is um to videotape yourself just walking and then try and perceive maybe some, some, something that you could do better when you're walking in your posture and then try and do it and, and try to find, okay, this feels like I'm in the good position now where I should be and then videotape it again. It's not going to be what, what you think it feels like, okay? It's because it's not natural. Yeah. Okay. And so what I came to find out is that our consciousness is only asking our instinctual brain, our subconscious brain, to do something for it. And the only way I can explain it is the old, the old uh, boats, the old ships of the past where they would scream down the pipes <laughs> to the engine, give me full rudder. Right? And, so, and so they would be the best that they could understand what the guy was saying they would do their best to perform it and and so we're working with the machine room 
doing these exercising exercises is perfecting all the all the rudders, all the motor systems. It's perfecting the um, the the deep brain that we don't. It's our subconscious. Yeah. And so when when we're doing that, um, and all of a sudden now, it it's connected those neuro programs that maybe we missed as we were developing in the embryo, all of a sudden are, you know, at least online working somewhat that we're aware of the movement. All of a sudden now there's a channel there. And so now I can access it. On, so, so when information sensory inputs coming, so it's that tone of voice from my colleague, it's that apparent attitude on their face, it's, um, you know, and, and all of that is based on their own neural program, right? <laughs> so it's maybe not really what they're thinking or feeling, but it's the way their body is expressing it due to their development and everything like that. So when, so this really is a helpful tool, for example, for, for um, uh, teachers when they're dealing with the kids in the classroom, it's not a conscious decision that the kids are jumping up and down in their chair. It's not a conscious decision even that the good students are good students. It's not a choice. It's just the way they are. Yeah. And by the way, when I work with classes, all the kids get better. There's no such thing as a perfect, you know, as they might be getting A's, but in my, like from what I've seen, the, our level of humanity right now is so low that that's actually quite easy yeah. to achieve. But if you have, you know, your kids, just, just do these exercises three, four times a week. It takes only a few minutes to game, do some fish movements, you know, do the rock. I, I, I name, give them all these crazy names to Charlie Chaplin and stuff. So just to have fun with it, you know, kids will do it. I've got little babies, two-year-olds, one and a half-year-olds doing the toe rocking with their brothers and sisters. And the effect is just incredible, you know, without having to get into all of this, you know, will and desire, and if you really want it, you'll get it. So it, it, it really takes a lot of pressure off of, you know, high performance living. Very fascinating. So just to make sure I understand, you can look at someone's body by the way that they hold their body, tell what they need to work on to make a better connection in the brain. Yep. I mean, so, so, so it, it's based on a lot of things, yeah. um, but, but um, it's so crazy and so programmed that I can, so, Again, posture is one part, but then there's a movement part. So I'll, just by the way they're standing, by the way they're talking, when I ask them questions, I'm reading the way their eyes are blinking, the way they're looking at me. Um, if they're offended by a certain question or they feel relaxed and responding to me, that's one way. And then also when I get them actually on the table and I say, okay, do this, do that movement. And, and, and then, I, then in five minutes, I, I can write all this down you know, their ability to do a movement, the strength, the timing uh, of, of, of their response to my command, send it to my friend, Tom Stefan. He can tell me just by the numbers, the character of that person. Interesting. And there's, there's so, and, but there's two possibilities, a hyper or a hypo response to that neurological constellation. So a person will be um, in their in their weakness, they will either be hypo, they will give in. So this is the fight, flight, or freeze, right? We have fight, flight. Those are tonic. Those are tonic, energetic responses to input. And then there's freeze. So depending upon where we're weak, we will have either hypotonic or a tonic response to that to compensate, right? Because we have, we can't, we can't live without it. So now we have to compensate one way or another, hypo or hyper. So that he can't really know without having met the person. Yeah. But um, other than that, it's 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 literally ridiculous 
how we are like a computer, like programmed. I mean, I believe it. I mean, I, I it makes sense to me <laughs> with the with the neural system. Um, so tell me more about the tell me more about the app. Okay, so uh, basically, um, um, the app is the basic four levels of the vertebrate uh, evolution from fish to reptilians to mammals to humans. <coughs> um, with the basic hierarchical movements in each one. I have taken a little bit of, of uh, artistic uh, license to uh, form these in order to make them uh, more approachable to, that, to the user. But um, that's basically, that's what it is, is, is we're working from that approach. And, um, so uh, basically, it's a matter of just doing the movements, taking that 10 minutes a day, you know, five days a week, whatever, and just do the movements. It, you know, it's, it's literally ridiculously that simple. And we will be refining, reinforcing, um, strengthening all of these instinctual postural abilities that the brain has to know how to do otherwise it's not going to be happy and it's going to be creating a ground like a base level stress and so these this stress is can be confusion can be distractiveness can be a lot of the hyperactivity um, it can also be pain pain is a signal of the nervous system that our uh, we're not being able to use our bodies the way we're supposed to. So we've learned that inflammation and pain are purely neurological responses hmm. to, 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 um, to a, a situation, a dysfunctional situation where we're not able to use our bodies the way we're supposed to. And so we can reduce inflammation and reduce pain radically just by doing these movements. Because now we're faking the brain out. We're saying, no, look, you can do it. It's okay. Everything's okay. And then because there is a real injury, obviously it'll return, but you keep doing it to keep and so recovery is really fast. But basically that's, it's, um, and then there's, there's um, so we have the, 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 the actual training session. And then we have the tutorials where I break down each of the different movements. Um, I ask people to pay for that. That's, you know, make, make a donation to my, uh, to my life, to, you know, to my work, to be able to go around and I, cause I'm doing this for free. Uh, I'm not charging any money uh, to the schools and, you know, I go in and um, give a free hour and a half, two hours, three hours, whatever it takes to get them up and running. Cause I, I really want to turn people on to just how easy it is to perform at really high levels, um, emotional, psychological, cognitive, like intellectual, as well as postural. And so as you were talking about work, when people do this, these people get promoted. They become chiefs and they, be, they get promoted because everything changes. They're not, you can just, they become really these amazing human beings and and um you know we would like to think that our bosses are the ones that are the ones who are fairest the ones that are the least judgmental and the ones who are truly going to help everybody that they're supposed to be responsible for perform at their best it rarely happens but neurotrainers um are are those people and so they get they get moved up usually or or they'll become bullied, but somehow usually something happens, and uh, their life path becomes very clear for them. So it also sounds like it's making connections in the brain that aren't used to being connected, so that the brain can function at its best. Exactly. And what are these connections? The neural pathways. <laughs> so, so Megan, it feels like it feels like I sent you a list of questions. And in the right order to ask them, it's pretty ridiculous, actually. <laughs> so, so 
and this is the most this is the most important part of what i believe i've discovered with all of that neurological physical matter that doesn't seem to have anything to do with you know a higher reason to be here or existence and what happened is that working with people I saw that all of a sudden, as we worked through their sort of neurological or character defects, all of a sudden, their true personality began to shine through. And it's almost like the soul, which I believe we have, is what's the core of who and what we are. But it needs to work through the physical body yeah to get out into the world and not only that it perceives through the nervous system and so it's almost as if um you know all the movement all all the yoga and everything like that that we see in the east that there's no religion or philosophy that is without movement so we know that movement is and breathing is absolutely fundamental for achieving, um, you know, our higher purpose and for truly even understanding what that might be. What is our gift that we can give to humanity? What's our specialness? What is it? We've all got it. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy just because you figure it out, but it, and sometimes it's even in a sense more difficult um, because humanity is living at such a low level right now. But um, it is as if is as if we're taking away filters um, to uh, both perceive and to um, to live our our true mission here, deepest meaning in life. So, who would you recommend the type of person that should go download an app? like this there, there there is no everybody yeah it's just because and that's you know like i said we were, i was working with children uh the elderly you know literally helping them from crippling arthritis through these movements um to world-class athletes yeah uh businessmen and women um who became addicted in a sense to these movements because it, it just um, released their body of all the stress from the day. So that then when they went home, they could just be, they could be themselves and not have carry all of this load of stress and, and worry and concern and everything from work into their family. So they could truly enjoy their, their spouses and their husbands and girlfriends and boyfriends and children and mothers and whatever they're you know uh, at a completely different level so so it doesn't we can all we all need this when i've been working with world-class athletes everybody always thinks oh they must have the best postures and that's not the way it works world-class athletes just are hard workers yeah that's all that's that's just a world-class athlete there is nothing posturally or neurologically special about them other than they just they just have you know hard foreheads and they just keep pounding forward and they don't give up and so when when we work with them obviously they get results really fast because their bodies are in good shape they're you know they're eating well they so so we get amazing results that's why we like to work with them when we're testing new things we go to the athletes we see the results and then we start applying it for the kids um, but, um, um, you know, there, there's, there's, everybody can use it. And then, so there's, there's the four levels and then I have the neural warmup, which is like, um, kind of like a, a morning a salutation, like in yoga or Qigong or something like that. It's, uh, set to seven to 10 minutes and, you know, um, athletes use it before they play a game and get, you know, incredible they just get in the zone when they're doing it 
And uh, the same thing for everybody else. It's just like, it's just a great way to wake our brains, our bodies, uh, get our emotions, you know, online and uh, our whole brains working in, in the best way. Well, I'm excited to try them out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so do do it, you know, um, it's, it's um, a lot of times people think they can pick and choose from the movements and they say, well, that can't, look at how silly those movements are. I can only say just do it's 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 designer like it's been created with years and years of uh, experience and lot thousands of people and uh so there's a reason for every little silly thing in there so do follow it um you know as as best as possible um where can people go to find the app so they can go to now living nowliving.today that's all one word nowliving.today that's my site um and they go to neurotraining apps there's a link in the menu to the training apps so i have three one for bruxism which is teeth grinding which is the only one in the world for that um there's uh, and there's a, a like one specifically for um people who are really in an emotionally dark place uh and it's called emotional rebalance and so that would be the go-to app for them. If there's somebody really, really, you know, PT, like heavy PTSD or deep depression or whatever it might be, that's an app designed for and with actually people with deep psychological challenges. Um, but, but, but they're up on all the other, you know, the, the Google store and everything, Neuro, Neurofunk. And um, Megan, so they can go on to, they can, um, if, if they just choose to make a donation, whatever, to help me to go to those deeper, to, um, they can get 20% off um, uh, using Megan20 as the code, the promo code. I got a Megan promo 20. code? What? <laughs> oh, yeah, just for you. <laughs> oh, man, I feel special. You had such good questions. I have to give you that. <laughs> Appreciate that. All right. Well, thank you for your time today, Joshua. I'm it's my pleasure, really. Thank you so much. Yeah. I look forward to hearing back from you in a, in, in a month or so. About the, how they're going? About how you're doing with the training, yeah. yeah. No, I'm excited. I'm really I'm very interested, so thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, thank you guys so much for tuning in today. If you like this episode, please like, share, subscribe, and then check out the show notes to learn about the Neurofunk app and also the one with the for the teeth grinding and the behavior stuff that's all in the show notes hope you guys have a great day get fit feel good have fun woo and we'll see you next time